Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode 276 of the Naturally Nourished Podcast. Today we are talking about updates on the thing. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> we'll be talking about Omicron, the latest variant, and addressing all of your questions on protocols, vaccines, spike proteins, and so much more. Yes. So just a couple weeks back, both of our households were hit by that thing that we like to leave nameless because we feel like the multi-billion dollars of campaigning and funding have done enough to (laughs) propagandize (laughs) the marketing behind it. Uh, But we will be sharing our personal symptoms, what we did in our household strategies, uh, how we rebounded quite, I think, rapidly. And it was a blessing that we had a varied timeline with our husbands. So we were able to, you know, maintain healthy parenting strategy and and get the one day of sleep shut down that we all needed. You mean a lot of movies? Yes. (laughs) The best of the best parenting strategies, yes. Um, But we're going to cover all the things today. Before we get into updates there, uh, I want to let you know that our 12-week food as medicine meal plan has launched. So if you purchased it last week, you have received week one this past Friday of our 12-week food as medicine ketosis meal plan. You can still absolutely take advantage of it for just $45. Uh, You will get 12 weeks of a grocery list, a meal plan matrix, which breaks down into breakfast, lunch, uh, dinner and snacks. We do allow flexibility within the matrix, of course, for intermittent fasting. We have tools in here that can help you work with metabolic flexibility. And each week has also a challenge focusing on different ways to level up and optimize your health. So this is going to give you everything that you need to stay motivated and focused and get some fantastic results with a very low carbohydrate diet or a moderately low carbohydrate diet, whatever works your body's needs. Yes, I've been having so much fun kind of reviving some old favorite recipes and then coming up with new stuff that um, I'm including in one of my weeks, a Tex-Mex chicken soup or kind of a Mm -hmm. tortilla soup riff on the old, um, from the original Naturally Nourished Nourished, cookbook, but um, doing some siete tortillas, like baked as an option to crisp up on top. So that's been really fun. Yes. Um, What recipes have you been working on? still soup season everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I just recently did a mahi-mahi with sautéed spinach and a nice like lemon butter sauce. Um, I've been having so much fun with soups as well, just because it's like very rarely cold in Texas. Right. And so that feels like the time of the season. 
vintage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but different like butter compote uh, blends that I've been playing with like nutmeg and cinnamon ones and playing with that on savory proteins. And then just getting into the space of doing the food as medicine write-ups on recipe focus of particular ingredients and how these work to enhance optimal health. Um, I think that that's always a fun way for readers and individuals that are doing these programs to stay motivated and also continue to really know that what they're feeding their household is true medicine and that that plays a huge role in optimizing health but also in disease prevention. Totally. Um, and then also exciting in our world is the Women's Wellness Retreat that's happening March 25th to 27th in Dripping Springs, Texas. Yeah, so that's only like, uh, goodness, nine weeks out from now or something like that. It feels like tomorrow. I'm already getting really excited with all of the partners we have and the amazing swag bags which have like all of my favorite companies products featured in there uh, we're going to be doing such great activities including uh, food as medicine facials and we are welcoming you all with uh, one of my favorite little bluegrass bands in town and Texas barbecue there'll be over six hours of lecture we're going to be touring an olive uh, oil farm and olive tree I guess grove if you will and having lunch off-site with some charcuterie and wine tasting uh, we're going to be doing movement and uh, do some stargazing and maybe even some cold plunges in the pool on site Ooh. yes uh, I know that it's going to be a really great weekend just to gather with like-minded individuals other wellness warrior women uh, so if you don't have a, a buddy that you would love to bring you can absolutely come on your own I'm sure that you will leave with deep founded friendships and um, I know that the wellness workshop that we did that was the biggest feedback everyone was like I just wanted more time to like get to know people and understand you know if they got uninvited to their family's Thanksgiving what they did <laughs> um, I just think there's so much right now going on with the intensity of emotions that being in a space of other women that are also holding it down, you know, fighting for medical freedom and autonomy and wellness in their household and maybe doing some things that are otherwise seen radical in other social circles to just gather and strengthen and find that again that fortitude and fluidity so we cannot wait to see y'all there if you're listening to today's podcast you can use the code podcast 10 uh, for just a limited time we close spots on march 1st and i know it will sell out before then but you can use the code podcast 10 to get 10 percent off your room of lodging of choice and rates uh, start at 1500 and go to 2000 These are all inclusive rates. So this includes all of your meals for all of the three days. This includes all of the lecture, your swag bag, of course, um, all of the experience and your lodging. And there's varied options. So um, you can sleep, if desired, in a queen bed by yourself. Uh, or you can do shared king bed options. And um, there's options with private baths and not. So go on over to Allie Miller RD. Check out what we're Works best for you and either way it is going to be a fantastic time we cannot wait to meet you and just totally nerd out together and belly laugh and do all the good stuff yes super super excited I think that's the highlight of my spring so far that I, I know, got on right? the calendar yeah um, honestly <laughs> I'm like this is like yep. not work I mean it's a lot of work to put together but once I'm there I know it's just gonna be just so good yep. so I'm yep. selfishly very excited about it as well yes 
All right. Um, last but not least, before we get into things for today, let's just have a quick word from our sponsor for this episode, Fond Bone Broth. Yes. So y'all know that we love Fond Bone Broth and uh, they really take food as medicine to the next level by making synergistic flavors with food as medicine ingredients. So they really can serve as like your sous chef in a jar with flavor enhancement to your braised greens or maybe helping with making sauces from meat drippings or just a delightful sip and tonic to brighten up your day thin out that mucus and phlegm that some of you are dealing with maybe from the Omicron aftermath or to support and enhance your immune system to prevent you from getting infection in the first place. We know that bone broth plays a huge role as providing a potent dose of NAC or N-acetylcysteine, which is a uh, compound that can help to break down phlegm and mucus and also enhance white blood cell function in the body. We know that bone broth also plays a role in supporting your galt or your gut-associated lymphatic tissue, which is where the majority of your immune system resides. So when you sip on bone broth regularly, you're given that facelift to the gut, which is very supportive for overall immune response, as well as supporting, just like the facelift component, connective tissue. So helpful support in collagen formation and bone and joint health, as well as skin, hair, and nails. Go on over to fondbonebroth.com slash AllieMillerRD. Uh, on that page, if you purchase through that page, you let them know that you voted by listening to them through the Naturally Nourished podcast. So that supports the Naturally Nourished podcast and our partnership. And also you will save 10% on your first order when you use the code AllieMillerRD at checkout. So go on over to fondbonebroth.com slash AllieMillerRD. And when you're shopping, check out some of my favorite flavors, the Spring Clean, which is yellow onion, radish, and lemon, the Youth Tonic, which is shiitake, sage, and shallot, and their new flavor, the Cantonada, which is black Spanish radish, garlic, and oregano. All right, so let's talk about the thing, yes. the new Omicron variant. What's the deal? How's it different? Yes. Should we be freaking out? Right. So I think at this point, you know, we, we didn't talk about it when it first hit um, and uh, kind of we're waiting to just see how things were evolving. Um, we know that the Omicron variant has more than 30 mutations in its spike protein. So this does conflict with, of course, some of the information that we've shared back in the like 200 early episodes, like 219, um, I think was the one that I did on DVOC and long haul. Uh, we'll link that for sure. There's a lot of helpful tips in there. But there's another episode around that time when we were talking about, you know, the Spanish flu mm -hmm. and natural immunity. And I know that there's a lot of confusion in this space um, of, you know, if, if from the 1918 Spanish flu, people had lifetime immunity, why would, Ali, if you're saying that you had this virus in December of 2020, why would you get infected with this variant? And the likelihood is that based on the amount of mutations, again, 30 mutations in its spike protein, this is not a natural viral cascade or shift. Mm -hmm. uh, likely this has to do with the fact that there are active animal vectors. So animals can be infected with the virus as well as humans. 
uh, when we're doing mass vaccination campaigns and we're using something like a spike protein in the vaccination strategy, this can also create a lot more opportunity for, as you've heard of the term, maybe leaky, uh, leaky vaccines or more viral variants that can be accelerated. Um, so we are seeing that the Omicron is more contagious uh, less severe of infection, um, but it can very likely be resistant to both vaccination as well as prior infection with a prior form of the virus um, or um, being evasive to quote unquote natural immunity in some capacity. We know that the Omicron uh, does hit the upper airway more so than the lower bronchial and lung area, which uh, has less of an impact on overall blood oxygenation overall less of an impact on respiratory uh, symptoms such as severe deep cough, as well as overall shortness of breath. So more like a cold is yes. what I've heard. And and I've heard a lot, a lot more, more persistent like, nasal. Yeah, mm-hmm. nasal and, and sore throat for us was kind of how it first hit for me. And Byron had a pretty severe sore throat that I think he says is 95% healed after a week. <laughs> Statistical analysis. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> His graphs, did graphs yeah. on it. Um, but overall, you know, we're still talking about a respiratory virus here. And so a lot of what we've been saying for the past two and a half years um, still stands. And, and one of the most important things that we can do is, especially knowing this hits more of the upper airway and nose throat, um, is to maintain good oral and nasal hygiene. So why is this important? How can we do it? And is there anything that's you know, new discoveries since we started talking about this. Yeah, well, we've actually seen now clinical studies in other countries mm-hmm. where they've uh, been using more nasal rinses. Yeah, and yeah, oral yeah. Bangladesh, Bangladesh, yes, yeah. absolutely. Uh, where we've seen infection rates absolutely plummet, um, and this is a very effective approach for overall. Yes, like you said, colds, <laughs> and you know, so so any form of cold, even allergy. This is something that we'd want to think of uh, because when you're thinking of seasonal allergens, you're bringing in higher uh, density of an antigen. And so that creates a histamine response to the particles. So whether we're talking about the intensity and the the, um, density of viral particles or pollen particles or toxic particles, Mm -hmm. it's always important to keep your nasal passages moist. Uh, There was a new review published in the Journal of Allergy and Infectious Disease that found that nasal hygiene options, such as nasal sprays, are effective tools to defend against COVID-19, especially when combined with other approaches. Um, We see that when we're looking at the combination of uh, viricidal compounds or antiviral therapies in the nasal sprays, that there's a definite added clinical benefit. And in this study, which I'll link in the show notes, uh, they used a combination just like I've been talking about for two and a half years, the X-Lear, which was a combination of xylitol and grapefruit seed extract, or sometimes you'll see that in literature as GSE, grapefruit seed extract. Um, They compared this to corticosteroids and hydrogen peroxide. 
Uh, there was not an added benefit to the hydrogen peroxide in this particular study, uh, but the xylitol, which is in the family of those sugar alcohols, which I don't like in the diet, but I am okay with xylitol in dental products as well as in this capacity of a nasal spray um, because it does demonstrate antiviral properties. And um, we know that then the grapefruit seed extract is antibacterial, so that can inhibit bacterial growth. It also has some antioxidant capacity and additional antiviral properties. Um, and we've seen that this can be effective in influenza virus as well as mild to moderate COVID-19. So it was actually used now in a study specific to COVID-19. We'll link that again in the show notes. Um, and they saw that there was a reduction in the clinical course and improvement of symptoms as early as day four of infection. And then on day seven, patients tested negative on a repeat um, RT-PCR swab, um, whereas the average time to get negative is 14-day period. Right, so the idea is that you're rinsing out and reducing that viral load, and you could either you know, completely not have infectious symptoms at all, right. um, or at least have a much shorter course if we're doing so. Yes, and then you know when we're looking at um, maybe treating infection. So what I love about the X-Lear, which we'll link again in the show notes, um, when I think about this in capacity of how this could have been used more appropriately mm -hmm. than maybe masking children sure. in school all day long, yeah. um, and we think about, again, keeping the nasal passage moist and moving, a mask can interfere, as we've talked about in the episode, I believe it was called The Importance of Breath. Um, you know, we talked about the importance of and just like a pause, I just still can't believe, and it really breaks my heart that there are still children right now full-time masking for oh. eight-hour days. Oh, most of or them. Or more. I mean, we've had, we've had such a struggle finding a school for Noah where at age two, he won't have to go into a classroom where he has to wear a mask. And you know from Stella's school search as well. Yeah. Yeah, so it still is mind-blowing to me, and um, I feel very blessed that uh, I've been able to navigate and pivot and create an opportunity for never having to mask my daughter, and I will fight to ensure that that is an ongoing reality for her. Uh, but, you know, when I think about how masks, again, interfere with the respiratory system, um, they can actually drive more, as we know, bacterial infection in the nasal area and the oral area. We're seeing such issues with dental uh, cavities as well as gum infections, staph infections on the face um, from bacterial de debris and buildup. And then not to mention the fact that many people mouth breathe when they're wearing mm -hmm. a mask because they're having a difficult time getting ample oxygen. And so they're both using their mouth and their nose to inhale versus sealed lip breathing. And we spoke about in that episode on the importance of breath, you know, how your nasal, your nares or your hairs of your nasal system and your more narrow canals versus the open mouth, um, which takes you right through the trachea, you know, um, when we're talking about that type of breathing, um, that it goes through so much more check and balance of your respiration in the world of hydration and moisture, check and balance of um, acid and uh, pH balance in the body with our respiratory tract, and just less space for, you know, large compounds to get into, if you will. And so I, th I think really strongly about how important it would be if we could advocate for these children a 
nasal and oral hygiene approach. Mm-hmm. And, and for those of you parents that are concerned still of prevention and infection, this is the number one thing that you can do right. in your household. Um, and, you know, we, every time Stella starts to pick up a little bit of a cold, we go pretty hard on the nose spray and she advocates for it very regularly. And what we do in our household is if there is prone towards infection, we shift from that X-Lear spray, which I think of more of the like daily preventative um, and also just a good nasal rinse, we switch then to the colloidal silver. And the colloidal silver, or maybe even considering something like um, an iodine nasal spray as more of an actual true treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, so colloidal silver um, is one that we shift to for infection. I'll link also the Sovereign Silver on my Amazon store, as well as the Exlear. And we have seen also in constructs of COVID-19, there was a study called Potent Antiviral Effect of Silver Nanoparticles on SARS-CoV-2. Um, and it was in the uh, Biochemical of Biophysiology um, Communications Journal. And it looks at the various mechanisms that colloidal silver at 10 parts per million, which is the concentration in this nasal spray, um, that it actually can inhibit extracellular viruses by preventing viral entry. The nanoparticles interact with the structural proteins on the surface of extracellular viruses to inhibit infection in the early phase by either preventing viral attachment or entry, or by damaging the surface proteins to affect the structural integrity of the virons. Um, So there's multiple mechanisms where this can be used in an early treatment and actually effectively to be used during active treatment. Um, And that was in the construct specific to SARS-CoV-2. So in my household, like when when we, when I was like, oh, this is something going on, that's when I start to shift to five sprays, each nostril, um, like five times daily. And I will say for me with Omicron, and to be clear, we'll talk testing in a little bit. I've never tested and and I won't test. So I I, I wanna say like with absolute confidence, I cannot say 110% that that's what I had. Um, And I wanna be fair and clear on that. Um, I am very opposed to testing and, and the draconian concept of surveillance state and giving up your DNA to a system and, um, you know, being told that you have to prove your wellness, X, Y, Z, we'll get there. But, um, you know, when I knew that I had the freight train headache and body aches that was flu or some form of an infection, I knew I had an infection, I'll say that. Um, that's when I shifted to the colloidal silver spray. And I wish I would have done it a little earlier, a mm-hmm. little hinted earlier. And I told Becky, I was like, oh, because basically after the body aches, probably on like day three from when I was um, infected or had my first symptom and fever and chills, um, on day three, day two, I was back to clinic doing my thing. But day three is when I started getting much more of the nasal congestion and the phlegm and the mucus. And I was like, damn it. I I let it kind of reside a little too long in that space. I should have gone harder. Even though I wasn't symptomatic in that nasal or respiratory space, that's when I should have been hitting it. Totally. I never got that part of it. You never got the aftermath. And Byron did though, right? Because that was kind of along with the throat. (laughs) I don't know what what he's got. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, He had for sure more of that. And admittedly, I was not as proactive with him of like, hey, let's keep you from getting sick because I had already gone down pretty hard (laughs) with it. it. And I was like, sorry, your supplements are on the counter. You will have to get them yourself and put them in your own mouth. And it's like that one step sometimes doesn't. (laughs) Yes. doesn't quite do it. Um, and so, you know, for kiddos in terms of 
prevention it's the same thing as hand washing when they come home from school like it should be that ingrained that when you come home from a day at school or you know being out and about in any crowded environment right um that you wash your hands and you hit your nasal spray right and and that's what you've done over the past couple years even prior to all of this stuff when Stella first started really going to school right and again the concept is not like a the the thing that's different than the Purell approach of hand mm-hmm. sanitizer uh, is that when you're doing these nasal rinses, especially like the Exlear, uh, you know, you're really not completely sterilizing the nasal capacity. And that's what you have to watch out for um, in the products that you select. And that's why even with the colloidal silver, we only use that if we feel like it's risk of infection sure. versus we really stick with the the xylitol and the grapefruit seed extract Exlear as the daily go-to. Yep. And, and the big idea is, again, you are reducing the debris, if you will, to allow the system to have to fight less. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, so whether your body is making histamine and that's making you brain fog balloon head um, from a seasonal allergen, or whether that's creating scratchy inflamed throat from cedar pollen, or whether that's creating a scratchy inflamed throat from strep throat, Either way, you want to reduce the debris, and then if needing to treat the infection, that's when you'd level up with the povidine iodine or um, with the colloidal silver. So there was another study we pulled um, on the effect of 1% uh, povidone iodine, mouthwash, gargle, and nasal and eye drop in COVID-19. Um, and they used this uh, for, um, hourly for four weeks. And um, they saw favorable outcomes as far as the severity of infection. The the conclusion was administration of 1% PVP1 um, or I as mouthwash and gargle and nasal or eye drop is simple, rapid, and cost-effective in reduction of mortality and morbidity by COVID-19. Another one, again, that you can get over-the-counter drugstore um, easily on Amazon and can do numbers to make the body deal with less infection, which then means less cytokine storm, less severe inflammation, less organ damage, all important stuff. Totally. And, and you know, same concept would be also using then an oral rinse. So if you're doing the, you know, nasal sprays, um, maybe doing like the perio wash that we've talked about yes, as we'll link that a as well. gargle, mm-hmm. um, even just a saltwater gargle could be yeah. effective and, and super simple as well. Absolutely. And so, you know, I always go for these things before we bring in the steroids just Mm -hmm. because of the impact on adrenals and especially in children as they're in growth and development. Try to keep steroids as limited as possible. Really would only bring those in if we're actually seeing lower oxygenation rates. Um, So that's something that I'm more conservative on. But mouthwashes, I think, are fabulous. So we can kill off bacteria and virus. We can do blends like oregano, thyme, tea tree sage, lemon balm. um, And all of these are going to overlap to give better, um, you know, broad coverage, if you will. Um, and we covered the mask thing, but one point that we haven't hit yet is the the new developments of, oh, cloth masks actually aren't effective. Um, <laughs> and yet we're still you having children say. wear them. Children are wearing those. They're not doing N95s. Like we're now in this place of, oh, we should, you know, grant access of all Americans to N95s. And I can't wait to see how that program <laughs> Oh, and just the just the expense and the environmental <laughs> right. the environmental right. impact is just so devastating, uh, and and so incongruent with the people at power that speak for you know all of the green changes that they mm-hmm. want to see. Yet they want these disposable right. single use right. face masks uh, being used, and 
you know, we've talked about in many episodes and I'll also link my blog that talks about, you know, advocating against masks and, and the big concern is of course, mental health, developmental health, the, the remove of the human experience and humanity, empathy, um, and then of course the actual bacterial harms that can occur. So I still stand with my stance on they're not net neutral, they're not harmful, um, they're very inefficient, especially in the capacity of children in schools who are touching their faces. And there are some schools, Becky, unfortunately, that are advocating for N95s for children already. And there have been published literature right. studies on N95s actually causing migraines, causing actual hypocampal oxygen depletion or even low oxygen status carbon dioxide buildup because those ones are right. a tighter filtration system. Right, like super hard to breathe Which in. really yep. make it difficult to breathe in a, a, a developing lung individual. Okay, let's talk um, testing. You <laughs> hit on this a little point, a little bit. Um, thoughts, priorities. Is there any point to testing? Well, I mean, since we've talked about this, so I, you know, I've I've said the term case demic before, and I truly believe that had we not provided so much access to testing and and freaked people out and told them that they need to test if they think mm-hmm. they've been exposed to someone, a what is the amount of multi-million maybe billion dollars in just the testing industry at this point i don't know i haven't looked statistically but i do know that george soros and and bill gates you know bought out the uk maker of covid tests for 41 million on july 19th and you know back then interestingly enough just two days following this was july 21st through cdc website the cdc put out a lab alert of changes to the cdc um, rt-pcr for sars-cov-2 testing and um you know we had heard we had talked about how the developer of the pcr test stated that it should not be used for diagnostics we've talked about in that long haul episode about cycle threshold and how even um, Fauci had said a cycle threshold run over, I believe it was 24, 26, or 27, something in the 20s threshold would make it um, you know, a false positive because you're just replicating mm-hmm. um, the repetition to get a sample of that DNA. Um, and so we know that there's been a lot of funny play, and we know that very quickly, within even the first year of COVID, it went from death count to case count right. because people weren't dying. The more that we figured out the ventilators, the more that we figured out um, and got access to monoclonal antibodies, and then you know vaccination helping with some at-risk population. Um, you know we have seen that the death toll hasn't even been a conversation in a year and a half. Sure. But the case counts have been, right. and, and that's been a big ploy in manipulation, creating scare tactics, creating policies that are often dystopic and tyrannic, um, and uh, really mass manipulation. So, you know, I don't know what's to come yet. We're talking to you guys right now, still in January of 22. And again, as of December 31st is when the CDC announced in July of last year that they would drop the EAU um, extension of use for the rapid uh, PCR test, a real-time PCR test. Um, And so... I think those are still being used, though, um, I believe to date. I know that there's constant talk of shortage of testing. Right, right. And so I don't know if this is the preceding, the shortage is like the ployed thing, and then we're going to hear any week now about this new test. 
Um, and of course, a part of my now, whether it, there's really not much conspiracy theory out there because most of them have come true. Um, but the, the skeptic part of my brain says, huh, so Soros and Gates, Gates, who we know is a huge fan of Max mass vaccination campaigns are coming up with this company that they're funding that's doing the replacement testing for COVID. Like hell, that's not going to have an ability to be able to discriminate between those that have been injected and those that haven't. Don't know. Can't say anything. Hmm. I don't know the mechanism of that hmm. panel, but I'm just very, <laughs> right? It's like, hmm, interesting. Um, so overall, I, I am just not a fan of testing because the testing is not going to change the intervention. Right. The only time one should get tested is if they are so ill with an infection that the hospital system is trying to determine a course of action of treatment of which that testing result would modify the clinical outcomes of the individual. What's happening here is I'm, I'm seeing people waiting in the cold for two hours to get tested to be told by that nurse practitioner to go home, sleep, stay hydrated, and social distance or right. quarantine. Right. No one needs to be told that. No one needs to purchase something or have the government subsidize the expense of that type of a program. It's not helping or doing anything for anyone. It's creating mass hysteria. Yep. Yep, and you don't need to stand in line to be told you have a cold. You know. Right. So <laughs> you know if you're you sick, it goes back to the square one right. thing. If you're sick, stay home, take care of yourself. When you feel better, go on with your life. The end. You know, case closed. So I, I that's my update on that. But but pretty fishy stuff going on. And when you follow the money, uh, like I said, this this article will link it. It's from Forbes, like from July nineteenth. Nothing like hiding. It's not <laughs> like some like you know right. underground blog. Forbes magazine put it out right. on George Soros and Bill Gates, and then the CDC's website themselves put out that lab alert. So it's very yeah. and yet we've fishy. heard nothing really further on no. it other than all of a sudden we're going to be shifting to home test kits and those will also be subsidized by the government, which I took a home test and it was negative, but I still felt all the symptoms and, you know, had one on hand. You don't at least have to submit that to anyone, um, but I probably won't be buying any more of them. I was just kind of curious. Yeah. No, I'll <laughs> never take one. I'll never purchase one. I'll never participate in a system that makes me prove my wellness. It just like any of those, like, oh, to fly to Mexico. Oh, right. To, like, right. no, nothing. I just can't. I can't yep. do it. Can't okay. Um, let's shift gears. Let's talk about the importance of lymphatic support, um, you know, post viral or just in general in terms of, of detox support. Um, so what is the lymphatic system and, and how do you support it? So the lymph system filters the blood and removes impurities and plays a big role with immune response and fighting infection. The lymphatic system is absolutely vital for the optimal functioning of our both innate, which is that immediate first line defense of our immune system, as well as our acquired or long-term memory response of our immune system. The lymphatic system helps to defend against illness by causing, um, excuse me, illness causing germs, as well as bacteria, viruses, and fungi. And we can see often in times of illness or following illness, like in this like long haul window or post-infection time, 
swollen lymph nodes as a sign of stagnation or buildup, as well as potential sign of toxicity in the lymphatic system. And so when we think of toxicity, this can be, of course, environmental toxins, but it can also be toxicity to your lymphatic system or the overriding debris left by a pathogen or an allergen. And so if your immune system is combating something, um, we can see often the lymph nodes being overburdened. And um, we know that when we support lymphatic flow, that this supports wellness outcomes and can actually impact, again, how the immune system combats an infection. And so this is something that you would want to do as far as lymphatic support provigilantly to ensure that the, your immune system is sound and not vulnerable to infection. And then this is something that you'd want to do during infection to support your body's ability to battle or combat. And then most definitely post-infection to ensure that that lymph is cleared and back up to optional, optimal functionality. And so things that we think of in the world of uh, lymphatic support would be inversions. Um, so like putting your legs up the wall, um, getting a lot more blood flow back into the central system, uh, rebounding like on a trampoline or even vibrating or shaking, if you will, um, even like a chopping motion that I showed on, on Instagram. Um, like under the bra line or into the um, inner thighs. I've talked about that inguinal node, which is kind of groin based. And I'll often feel during a 10 day detox, my inguinal node gets tender because we're getting more lymphatic movement there. Green tea has been shown to be very supportive for lymph gua sha or jade rolling, which you can be doing more in the key lymph areas of the face. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, right, like I always notice like I get puffy bags under my eyes during higher allergy sure. symptoms. Yeah, yeah. Like if it's if it's a big cedar or pollen time stamp, I'm gonna have that puffiness under my eyes and I need to move that lymph with the gua sha and then move it down the neck, kind of down towards that carotid artery that there's big lymph um, regulation there. And then uh, castor oil packs are another thing that can be done to support uh, lymphatic detoxification as well as maintaining optimal hydration. And then in the supplemental world, this is where we really look at our Reset, Restore, Renew detox packs. So these are key players to support your body's immune response during active infection as well as a big player to prevent that long haul um, while getting over like the body aches, nerve pain, chronic fatigue. A lot of that is based on the viral pathogen debris left behind. And so when you support the encapsulation and excretion of toxins and you're supporting movement of lymph, you're likely going to have less of that delayed illness or um, undesired symptoms. Yes. And funny enough, we were like into our 10 day detox when we both, well, I guess you were on day one, I was technically, on day one. Or, or day zero. Well, you want to make funny yeah. in December of 2020 when Same, I got right? hit yeah, with yeah. the, I guess, Wuhan or whatever, you know, the just OG. Um, yeah, I was on day three of my 10 day detox. I was like, oh, these body aches. I'm really getting deep into my lymph. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, no. these are like, <laughs> deeper body. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I want to talk about also like the vulnerability element, um, because I think that, uh, to be fair, interestingly enough, both times that I've been infected have been times that I've been super run down. Um, like totally, I, I'm a human. I, uh, know what optimal lifestyle is. I have ate very clean throughout the holidays, but I also 
like a good time. And, you know, three nights in a row of less than six hours of sleep, capping off with New Year's Eve where we were up till 4.30 and woke up at 8 a.m. because there were septic issues in my house uh, and I had to tend to my parents. That was, I think, the nail in the coffin that was like, my immune system was like, all right, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm taking a hiatus. You're going to have to just deal with this. Yep. Uh, so we have to always think about, you know, what are our vulnerabilities? And, and, and if I had to choose, I would choose living my life, having a good time, dealing with, you know, 36 hours of an infection once a year and rock and roll, keep living your life kind of thing. But those are choices we can make. Yes, I think it's fair to say when both of us got hit this time and in 2020 with the Rona, we were run down and, you know, this would be the same thing we'd see with any form of flu or other virus, right? Susceptibility and vulnerability is key. And I think with that said, we also rebounded a lot quicker than most in our circles, at least, likely due to our metabolic health and antioxidant status and just some of the proactive measures that we're currently taking. Oh, for sure. You know, if if oxidative stress loads are off or if there are serious nutritional deficiencies and inflammation is running rampant, there's going to be a lot more symptoms and a extensive infection. So the window of the timeline of you being infected is going to be more severe and the symptoms that you're dealing with are worse. And, you know, I think that when, again, I look at cost to benefit, it's like, yeah, I make lifestyle choices often for fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, I'm always making trade-offs. Obviously, the resilience factor played because I started feeling my first symptom. I dropped my parents at the airport on a Sunday. Um, I think they had like a four o'clock flight. I, I was sipping broth after church, taking them. So I was fasted, sipping broth, taking them to the airport. And it was the turmeric black pepper fond broth. And I went home and some of the friends at the house were doing Bloody Marys. And it was, you know, it was like the Sunday with, I think, one more day off or something. It was a Saturday. I don't know how it felt with New Year's Eve or whatever, but it felt like a, a never ending weekend. And I was like, no, I don't feel like drinking right now. I'm going to go start working on stuff. And I didn't feel symptomatic until like 5, 6 p.m. Skipped that dinner, went to bed, and my headache started to peak at like 8 p.m., And then, you know, that following Monday morning, I skipped dance. But I mean, I taught a 10-day detox class for 100 plus people that night at 7 o'clock, not feeling awesome, but feeling fine. And then worked my full day clinic Tuesday and just went boom, boom, boom on to life. And Brady got hit by midday Wednesday. So then I was the primary mom doing breakfast cleanup and setup and taking Steli to school and still working full time. So I think all in all, I got hit for about... 24 hours if I say that like 6 p.m. to like the teaching of the class if I was more gentle and not over you know strapped and over demanded I would have given myself a full 36 hours off but Mm -hmm. it was doable it was fine um I think we should maybe take a moment before we go into we just talked lymphatic flow um let's talk a little bit about Becky what we did differently this round from the prior round so like for me since I've just given such a detailed flow, my most severe symptoms were a uh, really intensive headache, which the headache form that I had in 2020 was different. I likened that to like a freight train. I had a pillow on top of my head and under my head. This time I was wearing an eye mask and it was a bad headache um, and then really deep joint hip pain. Um, And I had really a lot of neuromuscular pain. And then like weirdly on Tuesday through Thursday, so like what would be days, you know, two and a half through four in or whatnot, 
my nerves along my spine and more of my lymphatic system was agitated. And like you said, luckily we were doing the 10 day detox. So I was, I just did three packs a day mm-hmm. the whole way through. Um, but this go around, I did a lot more super turmeric and a lot more inflammasome. Um, a lot less focus on like herbal immune. Um, whereas, you know, I, I, the first time around had a lot more shortness of breath and respiratory stress. Um, this go around was really just pain management and inflammation. So I was taking like probably 12 to 16 inflammasome, um, and super turmeric. I was taking like eight to 10. And I will say, because I just had that broth that day on Sunday and no food, uh, that I had some quite, uh, serious, righteous heartburn, um, <laughs> on Monday, which Probably was pretty much just because of supplements. Yes. It was stomach. supplement induced. <laughs> heartburn and so I had like a cooling green smoothie with grass-fed whey Monday right before the detox pack and that did help and I did because of the heartburn up my GI lining which I had not done the first round but again I think that was more secondary to the anti-inflammatory impact I didn't have any gut stress but I have heard of a lot of individuals Mm -hmm. having more GI stuff like diarrhea or constipation a lot of nausea too and nausea I I didn't have any of that either it was just heartburn from the supplements truly Okay, yeah. so don't take those on a completely empty stomach. Did you change um, your supplement regimen anyway that was dynamic? Oh, I was out of super turmeric, which was a silly, oh, yes. silly move. Allie, like, brought me a, an emergency bottle that weekend. Um, I definitely did more inflammasome, and I did herbal immune because I had more of, like, the sore throat. Um, that was kind of my starting symptom. But everything else I stuck with cellular antioxidants well, maybe you guys had strep throat yeah maybe could have been maybe you did if that not. was byron's big yeah. thing i mean you can get body aches from strep throat who knows <laughs> right it's possible um yep so more um herbal immune cell antiox vitamin d like kind of a double dose of all of those things bio c like we've done in in past and prior yes i was high um, on that too for sure and i was just more tired so just more rest yeah well i guess that first round you had like a tiny baby yes Right, sure it's what like four like or five four months, months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And neither of our littles got hit. Uh, Stella had a uh, two-day fever about three weeks prior, so that could have been her run. Um, as I've talked about on the podcast before, uh, when Stella has a cough or mucus overload or a fever, I always uh, up her support. So every day is her foundational supplements. She gets kids biotic to choose, multi uh, avail kids to choose. And then um, she also gets an omega-3 gummy um, through Nordic Naturals. I'll link that in my Amazon store. It's the fishy so that she's actually getting a potent dose of EPA and DHA. And then she gets the liquid vitamin D balance blend from our line. So when she's under the weather, I triple her vitamin D. So I give her instead of one dropper or 2,000 IUs, I give her six. Um, And then I also take cellular antiox and Bio-C+. And when she has a fever or an actual infection, I'll layer in one Rebuild Spectrum probiotic. If it's just mucus, phlegm, and a cough, I'll do just the C and the um, the Bio C Plus and the Cellular Antiox. But I'll do that mixed in raw honey. So it makes like a little syrup on a spoon. Um, I was also giving her during her fever the Elderberry Nighttime Formula, which has poppy in there. It just helps for a deep quality sleep so she gets a true deep rest. And, um, you know, the elderberry helps with inflammation. So even even for like 
teething. I was just thinking about that in the real lifetime, Becky. Like for Noah, it might be time to start playing with Elderberry. I don't know if you have with him. Oh, he loves it. But just he's for a, his teething, he's a big fan. I now, haven't done it pain specific. and inflammation. Yeah, I feel like yeah. that'd be a really worthwhile yeah. one because I know it can reduce cytokines and prostaglandins. So you know that could be one that also we think of like helping with body aches for kiddos, the elderberry syrup, but. Totally. Could I haven't be done the nighttime one with him. Yeah, but Ooh. it might help with some of the I mean, he's, teething over, he's over 25 pounds, so I think uh, he can. Yeah. yeah. With some of the teething related. He's the size of a two-year-old. He he's sure is. Two yet. Yep. Yep. But I mean, I think that by by gram per kilogram, you could totally yep. do that. Yeah, and I give him elderberry, but just not the... But the poppy. Poppy one. Mm-hmm. Okay. And maybe doing it with like a little, maybe like a chilled, you know, the elderberry gummies we have, which we can link in the show notes. A great thing for kiddos and adults, but also like just thinking sidebar <laughs> with the teething like short freezing some of those elderberry gummies mm-hmm. might be really nice for him too he would be into that yeah doing a lot of mango fruit nuts but he would be into it yes so uh you know with talking about moving lymphatic which i felt my lymph more this time than the last round um again and like that nervous system hit now it's funny that both times I was doing a detox and usually I'm doing a detox because I need it. And so again, that goes back to that lifestyle. Like I'm either squeezing in that detox between Thanksgiving and Christmas because the wine bottle is on the table every night. Um, and so I need to just force myself a rest uh, and or you know entertainment and gatherings and sleep is going down. So I really want to focus on wellness. Um, but the detox packs really do aid in the body's ability to actually combat pathogen as well because they're boost glutathione levels so really good for that respiratory blood oxygenation Um, but they also really do combat the chronic fatigue or that lingering yuck in the body and the dance with this is that we want to support our liver and reduce that lymphatic stagnation um, so that we can you know move that debris out of the body and you know when we have more stagnation or more pathogen buildup in the body that's more and more prone towards the side effects of blood clots, uh, body aches and joint pain, shortness of breath, coughing, headache, brain fog, chronic fatigue, you name it. And that's where we really employ as a secondary tool beyond detox, proteolytic enzymes. And so that's where our inflammasome, like I said, I was getting over the 12, probably 14 to 16 for that like three day of concentration. You're getting those proteases, the uh, serratopeptidase, uh, trypsin, chemotrypsin, and then anti-inflammatory herbs like turmeric, boswellia, ginger, quercetin, rutine, and rosemary all blended together in an herbal compound that helps with blood thinning, reduces blood clotting, but also reduces the inflammatory impact of the virus. All right, so it looks like we've got a listener question here. Yeah, about, I have a couple kind of yeah, thrown in here for my yeah, Patreon yeah. page. Okay. So hey, Patreon listeners. Yeah. Um, what are recommendations for pregnant women for Omicron or just COVID in general? So I would stick with the same concept of those nasal rinses and oral rinses mm-hmm. absolutely across the board as first line defense. Um, I would also on top of a standard as far as like prevention and then treatment, we can break it up. So for prevention, the multivel mama will do really good as far as giving you that baseline defense of minerals, B vitamins, and some antioxidants to support, you know, a regulatory optimal nutrition state. 
Um, you're going to be on the EPA DHA extra, hopefully, for fetal brain development, but those omega-3s, really supportive of regulating blood clot risk factor there um, and anti-inflammatory. I did up my EPA DHA mm-hmm. extra to like six or seven, maybe even eight on some of the days when I was dealing with a lot of pain and CBD as yeah. well. And noting that super turmeric probably wouldn't be appropriate yes. in pregnancy, you'd want to go a little higher on the EPA, EPA DHA. DHA. So you could go up to, honestly, eight to ten in the EPA DHA, if you were infected and dealing with severe pain, it'd be better than an NSAID and better than turmeric, which has been shown could drive um, early labor or miscarriage. So depending on where you are, that, that cost to benefit, I'd probably keep the super turmeric out. But I know during your pregnancy, some days of times, headaches, you used like, a couple times. If it was a migraine, then nothing else would touch. I think I and took... And what, like max like four in a day? Oh, or? not even. Probably okay, two. two. Okay. I was really conservative with that. Yeah. But, yeah. So. So, you know, I would say for anti-inflammatory, you'd want to stick with the omega-3s as the anti-inflammatory supporter. Um, cellular antiox and BioC plus are both safe throughout the entire pregnancy. So these are ones that I would keep as preventative and then up for treatment. So, you know, if pregnant, I would say cellular antiox at like three to four capsules daily during this season would probably be a good strategy. Um, and then the BioC plus at like three capsules daily. And then those could be doubled if need be, if dealing with active infection. And then the vitamin D, you can still do a triple dose if dealing with active infection. I would say during pregnancy, I would be on the targeted strength and rebuild Mm -hmm. spectrum to get a more heavy hit of probiotic support. Um, Anything else big picture in that world? I think you hit it all. You could if need be nebulized glutathione with pregnancy. Absolutely. Um, yep. Anything else in the world of like treatment? Um, ivermectin has been shown to be safe mm-hmm. with pregnancy and children. Um, again, with that being said, we'll, we'll address. There was a couple questions that came in about ivermectin in general. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of of the mindset of. Uh, well, you could talk, Becky. Byron had some GI stress with it. He sure um, did. <laughs> um, so I gave him, I gave him the kitchen sink because. I needed a husband to help me take care of our baby. So I was like, you know what? I have ivermectin. Would you like to try it? Um, And, and, you know, I think probably based on our international travel and exposures, he may or may not be carrying around a parasite anyway. I was like, whatever, it could be a good cleanse. But I think he only did it for a max. I think he did about half of the recommended dose and a max of two days before he was like, um, no, I think I would rather sleep than be waking up to go to the bathroom six times a night. And, like, and okay. I don't know if that was, we don't right. know if that was the ivermectin right. or if that was his run of totally Omicron and he was having GI stress because a lot of people did anyway. Right. Um, but, but big picture, I do know that it has, you know, stood the test of time, you know, 40 plus years since development, uh, won the Nobel Peace Prize in 2015 and, um, is safe clinically with pregnancy, but I'm not sure personally, like I didn't take ivermectin when I thought I was infected. Um, There's kind of a a catch 22 of some individuals feel like they should take it once they're infected just to reduce the influence of spike protein, Mm -hmm. even if symptoms are mild. That was Mm -hmm. a question we got was my my husband and I have some ivermectin in case we get COVID. We're very healthy. If we get COVID, do you recommend taking the ivermectin even if the symptoms are mild? I'm not sure if it is as effective with Omicron as other variants, we just want to prevent any long-term effects from COVID in any way possible. Um, So personally, I'm at the stance of I'm not going to take ivermectin if I feel like this is something that's hitting my body for less than 48 hours 
I feel as if by supporting my body with detoxification uh, tools, lymphatic support, and the inflammasome, that I'm not going to hit a lot of residual effects. Um, I feel a week out back to 110%, mm-hmm. like doing cartwheels and all the things. So no long haul impact for me. Um, so I don't see the the benefit in doing so. And I would say if I was also actively pregnant, I would probably take that same exact approach. I don't know about you, Becky, any consideration or thoughts there? I mean, I didn't touch it. And, you know, my thought process is like quercetin does basically the same thing in, in you know, inhibiting viral replication. And so I would much rather go there with like a known safe compound um i think our having it on hand was more like if i had gone five days plus i probably yeah. would have busted yes. it out and byron was yes. on like day four and a half of you know increasing severity of the sore throat and symptoms where i was like i need you out of bed like i don't know what yeah. it's gonna take yeah <laughs> and hesperitin um is is also a really novel compound that's shown to bind the spike protein and that's what's unique about our bio c plus just kind of like a call out there I feel like often people are like, that's the one supplement they try to cheap out on. <laughs> like, oh, mm-hmm. well, I can get vitamin C anywhere. I'm just going to use this over-the-counter vitamin C. But our BioC Plus has the quercetin and hesperitin in it. And this was developed, of course, pre-Rona days, um, but has been such a powerful tool for that reason that these compounds actually block the spike protein. And that was another question. We Let's, let's talk vaccination, mm-hmm. but... One of the questions was like, if I must get vaccinated for work, which I'm hopeful that the recent Supreme Court ruling is enough to get you out of any mandate in the workforce. Um, And, you know, there's been so much literature showing that the Omicron is less, you know, influenced by this, the current vaccines on the market and the boosters are a same replication of the the right, same vaccine, right, right. just another dosage. I heard zero to twenty percent efficacy from the prior boasted ninety whatever percent mm-hmm. with Omicron. Um, you know, they're trying to say the booster has a little bit more, but I, I can't make sense of it because it's still a, a different, you know, thirty again plus changes mm-hmm. in this viral variant. You um, know, they're talking about like <laughs> coming out with a version that. Uh, the vaccine that is Omicron specific by March. And I'm like, by then it will have ripped through you silly people. everyone that yes. it's going to rip through. And there will be 10 people left that need it. Like it's, it doesn't make sense. I mean, I guess it's akin to what they do with the flu shot every year is try to guess what variants are going to be the most prevalent. And we know that that's, you know, 30 to 40% Efficacy. effective it, max. Right. And again, I think, and what I fear is that the continued max vacin- vaccination campaigns are only perpetuating this and sure. inhibiting herd immunity truly in its natural form. But I think that there is maybe some novel approach of thinking of spike protein inhibitors mm-hmm. and neutralizers. So let's just kind of like nerd out a little bit on that. But maybe before that, should we talk about... Um, because that's been a big question is like, what are we concerned about the vaccine sure. and how do we detox the vaccine? So maybe just vaccine concerns and then we'll, we'll get sure. there. Sure. Let's hit, let's hit that. Okay. So, um, Dr. Stephanie Seneff has shared, she's an MIT scientist and she's actually who first taught me about the importance of sulfur in the diet. She was really, um, you know, deep in the Western A price circuit uh, did some work with Natasha, Dr. Natasha McBride, who, you know, really launched the GAPS diet and such. 
and I've seen her lecture a couple times in person and she's been really hitting hard on concerns of mass vaccination and vaccine mandates and she quote states that it's outrageous to vaccinate young people for COVID because they have a very low risk of dying from the virus. And, you know, as we talked in past episodes, it's absolutely to me insane that there can be an emergency use authorization for a population that is not in an emergent state, which is exactly where the children fall. Um, So she really calls out some of the potential harms and especially states that the repeated boosters have devastating long-term effects. She states that both of the mRNA vaccines and the DNA vector vaccines may be a pathway to crippling disease sometime in the future. Through the prion-like action of the spike protein, we will likely see an alarming increase in several major neurodegenerative diseases, including Parkinson's disease, CKD, ALS, and Alzheimer's. And these diseases will show up with increasing prevalence among younger and younger populations in the years to come. Unfortunately, we won't know whether the vaccines cause this increase because there will usually be a long time separation between the vaccination event and the disease diagnosis. Um, Senef says that it's very convenient for the vaccine manufacturers who stand to make huge profits off of our misfortunes, both from the sales of the vaccines themselves and in the large medical cost of treating all these debilitating diseases. And we've spoken in our CoQ10 episode when we talked about myocarditis. Um, We're still seeing large alarming risks for especially children, especially male children in the concerns of myocarditis and inflammation in the cardiovascular system. From December 14th, 2020 to January 1st, 2022, the VAERS or Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System Um, which is the primary government-funded system for reporting adverse reactions, which is, A, very difficult to even get in there. All these numbers have been estimated to be underreported by upwards of 30 to 70 times in their numbers. Um, Their data includes a total of 21,745 reports of deaths, an increase of 363 over the previous week, um, 170,446, excuse me, reports of serious injuries, including deaths during the same period of up to 3,840 increased, again, serious injuries in the prior week. Um, the uh, foreign reports to VAERS include serious injuries and death. And um, when we're looking at the outcomes, we're seeing that of the 9,936 U.S. deaths reported as of January 7th, 19% occurred within 24 hours of vaccination, 24% occurred within 48 hours of vaccination, and 61% occurred in people who experienced an onset of symptoms within 48 hours of being vaccinated. And total, we're looking at over a million reports to VAERS of adverse events, which is more than all previous vaccines combined. And again, this is likely underreported by a heck of a lot. And also under the amount of deaths from this said virus. Uh-huh. So interesting. And I can stay I can state finally, you know, with now again being in this game, I have witnessed now more than on my two hands clients in my clinic that have had adverse effects from booster or second mm-hmm. vaccination. Um, And I have had some that have had severe effects from even first vaccination and um, a lot of impacts on inflammatory bowel disease, 
I've seen neurological, um, hemiplegic, like ha uh, half of the body becoming paralyzed. Um, I've seen a lot of neurological conditions and quite concerning, especially when we're looking at an injection that now has zero to 20% potential efficacy on this current variant. Right. We've talked about before, you can't undo it. Like you can't take it out of your, <laughs> out of your body. And I've seen, especially in like inflammatory markers and autoimmune parameters, a huge spike in those of my clients who've chosen to get vaccinated, either their ANA going up or their, you know, thyroid antibodies that we previously had in remission going sky high into the thousands or their CRP going from below one into, you know, 30 plus within a couple of, you know, weeks of right. vaccination. And with the myocarditis, we're seeing troponin, you know, mm -hmm. markers that we associate with heart attack um, off the charts. And, and so we've touched on this before, but the concern that, that we're seeing with this that this experimental injection, I don't even like calling it a vaccine, it's an experimental injection, is the distribution and the accumulation of the spike protein. So spike proteins can circulate in your body after infection or injection, this is very true, um, and they cause damage to your cells, tissues, and organs. Um, the spike protein is a deadly protein and it can cause inflammation and clotting issues in any tissue in which it accumulates. Um, so we know from Pfizer's biodistribution study which was used to determine where the injected substances end up in the body, it showed that the COVID spike protein from the shots accumulated in quite high concentrations in the ovaries. This is again from Pfizer's biodistribution study. There was also a study, uh, that Japanese biodistribution study that I discussed in past episodes. Um, and this found that vaccine particles move from the injection site um, to the blood after which circulating spike proteins are free to travel throughout the body and they're found primarily in the spleen, which was thought to be a good thing for you know, the immunologists because the spleen regulates the immune response. Um, but we're also seeing high accumulation in the ovaries, the liver, the neurological tissues, and other organs. Nope, don't want that. So, you know, the concern I think is that, yes, again, going back to that person's question about like, well, what if you're naturally infected? Are we still mm -hmm. concerned about these spike proteins? Um, I think that, you know, we do want to think about how we can detoxify these spike proteins, whether from infection or vaccination. Sure. But I do find that natural infection likely will have a lot more checks and balances versus a unnatural injection. Um, which is going to be set dosage, not going to be a variable, not going to be impacted by your nasal spray. You're not going to reduce the replication per se. It's more of an automated process versus a natural cascade. Would that kind of, does that resonate or make sense? That it totally of, makes yeah. sense, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of the the variable that I, I look at when I'm thinking of, you know, how we are addressing uh, the compound. But Either way, the beauty is we do have a lot of research now on, you know, SARS-CoV-2 and how the replication occurs. And we know that it can cause an excessive and nonspecific immune inflammatory response. And again, it's often, namely in those individuals that have dysregulated inflammatory reaction, these are the ones that are going to have more organ failure, be more prone towards sepsis. So the first thing that you can do as a baseline defense is eat an anti-inflammatory, nutrient-rich diet and regulate your blood sugar response and your metabolic health, ideally be in a state of ketosis, which we've talked about in that Keto Immune podcast episode, which we can link as well. 
how when you're in a state of nutritional ketosis, your body is making more T cells and B cells, you know, and, and you are actually manufacturing more of that adaptive prime long-term immunological response than an individual who is not in a therapeutic state of ketosis. An individual that has more anti-inflammatory phenolinic compounds from plant-based antioxidants is actually able to prevent the entry or the fusion of this virus by binding to the, the spike protein. And we know that phenolytics or plant-based compounds can actually modify the binding site, um, also can avoid the recognition process within the host, um, and that this can play a huge role on reducing severity of infection as well as that circulating influence of the spike protein. And again, I mentioned hesperitin, which is in the BioC+. This is one that study and study again will link one called phenolinic compounds disrupt spike-mediated receptor binding and entry of SARS-CoV-2 pseudovirons. Um, that's the research study that really calls out that hesperitin compound, and this is found in citrus. So food is medicine. The more you can zest your citrus, the more that you can incorporate your lemon and lime juice. That's why I have to have margarita, low-carb margarita twice a week. <laughs> Hello. Um, right? I mean, it's my mm -hmm. hesperitin. Um, but truly, the BioC Plus, I mean, I, I'm a huge believer in that formula. And again, that's what across the board makes it much more rad than just a 600 milligram ascorbic acid. You're getting that acerola cherry, you're getting the hesperitin, you're getting the quercetin. So you're getting a dual influence of blocking that spike protein um, influence. And there's various compounds that interact with spike protein. Okay. And it looks like chrysin from raw honey is also on that list, which sounds like a great combination along with your citrus. I know I was doing a lot of raw honey in tea just to soothe like some of that sore throat, but that would be a great food as medicine and it, boost. It reiterates what we're doing with, you know, Stella and my recommendation for kids. Right. You know, we, we've e even seen um, elagic acid. Um, I can never say elagic or elagic acid, whatever, um, which is in fruits, vegetables, blackberries, raspberries, strawberries, cranberries, walnuts, pecans, pomegranate. We think of as the big one of the elagic acid. Um, it's in our detox packs um, in the, you know, plant botanical antioxidant blend. Um, this is a well-studied phytochemical. We know galleic acid, which is a polyphenol compound. Um, this is in fruits, vegetables, herbal medicine, uh, grapes, pomegranates again, and tea leaves. So lots of tea. I mentioned green tea as a good one, but um, I really find that during cold and flu season, switching from coffee to tea is going to be a good bang for your buck. We've talked about studies of interferon levels increasing with upwards of three to five cups of tea daily and interferon helps with that long-term immune response. Um, there's another uh, polyphenol compound, the um, pinocebrin, which is a flavonoid uh, extracted also from honey and propolis, ginger root, um, and other plants. So doing like a ginger lemon tea um, from our toddy, we could put our toddy episode uh, from the YouTube channel. We make like toddies three ways. And I mean, these are like the key elements of food as medicine. Again, breaking up mucus, phlegm, but also actually combating and fighting spike protein. So back to that question of, you know, would I consider ivermectin? I would say no if the individual is able to pass through the virus with ease within two to three days. Um, you know, if the individual is not metabolically healthy, absolutely, I'd put that in at the first time moment of infection. Pregnant individual, I would say, you know what, let's work with these food as medicine and let's watch what your body does. 
if forced to get vaccinated, ideally at this point with the Supreme Court ruling, you're able to find alternative work. I'm so hoping and praying that we will find some you know, freedom-oriented healthcare solutions out there because it's absolutely deplorable that our healthcare professionals can make rules for everyone else's bodies but not mm-hmm. for themselves. Um, I find that to be a really terrible ruling that occurred and my heart hurts for all of my friends in the industry. Um, but I'm, I'm hopeful in at least the Supreme Court ruling, um, court ruling on, on the national level of large businesses and such. And I think that A, the argument based on the recent ruling, B, the argument that there's less than 20% efficacy of this new variant, and, um, you know, C, you know, knowing that if you can at least show any evidence of prior infection, that that hopefully you can get your way out of a mandate. But if you must use a mandate, that would be probably the time where I would use ivermectin myself because I would say, well, I have to take this foreign substance that I don't believe Mm -hmm. in, that I'm not sure how my body can naturally fight. I'm going to take this drug that knows to bind the spike protein in an efficacious dosage. And I would do the ivermectin as a preload prior to the injection um, and probably for like a five-day run. So maybe like two days prior, three days post um, while I was uploading on the uh, cellular antiox, the BioC Plus, the Inflamazyme. Um, those are the three really formulas in our line that have the more, you know, spike protein inhibitors and neutralizers. Yeah. So NAC has been shown and glutathione as well as a spike protein neutralizer in research. Yes. Um, and, and a lot on NAC. You know, we've talked about how this is the one that the FDA was trying to remove from the shelves. Amazon still isn't selling it in our line. This is cellular antiox. And, you know, N-acetylcysteine is such a powerful antioxidant and um, mucolytic agent or a mucus thinning expectorant. Um, So it just plays such a powerful role with actually influencing residues of spike protein. Um, This is something, again, as I mentioned, if pregnant, I would be on three to four a day as a, a baseline preventative if, um, and that's where I hang out as just a preventative. Um, if infected, I'm going up to six. And, you know, if I had to get a mandated vaccine, I, I, I don't know, I can't put myself in anyone else's shoes, so I'm not going to say anything of the sense, but I would say if I was complying with that mandate, I'd be taking six to eight and, you know, layering things even to the max and that might interfere with my sleep, but I guess it would be worth it knowing that I was getting something that was going to have a weakening. And um, the NAC has been shown in studies to actually interact with key residues of the spike protein that result in a three-fold weakening in the binding affinity of the spike protein with the ACE2 inhibitor. And antiviral assays um, have shown that NAC has caused a 54.3% inhibition in SARS-CoV-2 replications. I mean, this is super powerful stuff. And I think, again, when you follow the money, that's why certain agencies are trying to remove it from access points. So cellular antioxidant our line is one to have all family members extended, you name it. I mean, everyone for Christmas got a bottle in my extended family, and it's one that I say you definitely need an extra one in your medicine cabinet. Yeah, totally. Um, so let's break down maybe just a little distinguishable variable of spike protein inhibitors versus spike protein neutralizers. Sure. Go for it. So, you know, when we're looking at, again, these these plant-based botanicals, the ivermectin first in the drug class would be categorized as an inhibitor. And that's why, again, I would use that potentially as a strategy with injection. Um, It's been shown to bind the spike protein and potentially rendering it ineffective. 
And um, when we're looking at the first line um, doctors, what is that? FLCC, what's, what's the acronym? First line. Front line front critical line. care COVID. It's FL yeah. and then three Cs. I yes, think. FLCCC. They state that ivermectin could be used as a defense mechanism with vaccination and also likely should not render it the vaccine itself ineffective. Who knows? Um, but, you know, again, that would be my kind of approach there. As other inhibitors, um, we're looking at things like pine needles, um, so like pine tea, pine extract, dandelion leaf extract, and you can definitely do um, dandelion tea, neem and neem oil are in this category. And then we're looking at the neutralizers of the spike protein. This is where the N-acetylcysteine, glutathione, fennel, star anise, um, this is where we'd also see comfrey leaf and vitamin C playing a role as more of the neutralizers. Um, big picture here, you know, anytime we're talking about any injection or vaccination, vitamin C is really favorable in reducing oxidative stress, which can offset the reaction to uh, an injection. And also vitamin C plays a huge role in neutralizing toxins. Um, so I think that this is one that we definitely want to have in our playing field. Yes. Okay. So do you want to riff on a pre and post jab protocol? Sure. So we said, you know, again, I, I would I would definitely be doing the 10-day detox diet protocol during this window. Um, I would definitely be doing three packs a day the whole round. And this could be, that would be similar again, like if infected, that would be a tight protocol. I did a bone broth fast essentially, like I said, for the first 24 hours and then brought in a green smoothie with grass-fed away. Um, but getting in antioxidants from tea, berries, you know, um, really dense, low volume. So you can still get the benefit of autophagy would be huge so that your immune system can clean up that cellular process. Um, and then doing the reset, restore, renew detox packs at three a day, um, six capsules of bio C plus would be a big priority. Um, and then, you know, we're looking at the inflammazyme, uh, that would be one that I would also up because that's going to have quercetin to help to bind with spike protein as well as preventing the clotting factor and the inflammation in the body as a reaction. And, um, let's see, is there any, and then the bio C plus. Uh, I already said that I think would be at the six capsules and then the N-acetylcysteine and glutathione or the celiantiox that have at that, you know, again, three to four as a baseline. But if, if doing a vaccine would go up to six for about two days prior, three to five days post would be kind of the window that I would use for that time. Cool. Okay. Um, and just to share again on Patreon is where I can share all of the non-censored information. So you can go on over to patreon.com slash AllieMillerRD. Over there, I shared a link to iPush Health, um, which is where if you would like to get a subscription filled for, um, or prescription, excuse me, filled for ivermectin, or you've done a gut cleanse and you need an antibiotic, like, um, you know, you need uh, rifamaxin or something like that, or zyfaxin, um, this is a really good direct-to-consumer opportunity for you to advocate for medication requests. Again, many of my listeners are in such great metabolic health, may not be necessary, but food for thought, it's good to have that in your kind of um, tool belt if needed. Um, and those are the types of resources that I share over on my Patreon page. Yes. Um, what about this question? How long after having the infection should one wait to get the jab if they have to? So again, the answer would be forever. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. But the, if they have to part, I would say minimum 90 days is the the um, window, but I would say ideally six months from infection window so that at least you've had like two rounds of, of kind of cellular turnover 
um, because the concern is that when you take that injection after your body has already been primed, um, that you could have an exacerbated response or more of an inflammatory neurological toxin-driven reaction than you would had you not had that prior priming. Got it. That makes sense. Um, how about this one on nebulizers? Um, could you discuss the how to use and when to use um, nebulizing with COVID specifically using glutathione or hydrogen peroxide? So we can put a link to Mercola's site. He has a uh, specific breakdown of how to dilute hydrogen peroxide. Uh, funny story here. Um, one of our good friends had been given by a friend practitioner of subscription, or I keep saying subscription, a prescription for um, budesonone, um, which is a uh, steroid inhalant. Um, and she had tried to nebulize hydrogen peroxide, but did not dilute it enough. So it was like burning. You definitely need the right dilution, which I didn't look up for this episode, but we'll put a link for a resource for you guys. Um, you know, glutathione is something you need prescription for to um, nebulize as well, to my knowledge. Um, and you can get that already from a compounding pharmacy in the right dilution to actually just use in an at-home nebulizer. I'll also link the nebulizer that I purchased early, like two years ago. We have never used one in the household. Um, we've never had issues with shortness of breath. So I would say, if not dealing with shortness of breath, I would just stick with the nasal stuff that we discussed. So again, colloidal silver if infected, or um, you know, using the Exlear for a preventative. Um, but if dealing with shortness of breath and needing support, and we feel that the in infection is deep into the respiratory tract, um, you know, I think that nebulizing glutathione could be appropriate as well as hydrogen peroxide. Uh, this friend, um, after failing with the hydrogen peroxide, used the budesonone and was like having crazy anxiety attacks and insomnia. And, and we were texting on a chain and I was like, wait, you said you're nebulizing? And she's like, yeah. I was like, what are you nebulizing again? She's like, and she had a, a strong history of adrenal insufficiency. And so for her, a corticosteroid was like crazy mm -hmm. surge. And mm -hmm. so she was like, you know, tearing off her clothes, running around the room, you know, and, um, she was having a really severe steroid reaction um, because of that stimulant effect. So be mindful that when you nebulize things, you're creating a high, you know, um, from that lung, that respiratory blood barrier, you're getting a high mega dose influence of this compound. Um, and so just be mindful that you're following the correct dilution. And I only would use steroid if you're at low blood oxygenation and struggling to breathe. That's not something that I'm a big fan of using preventative. And I, I know that some sit on the fence in other ways where they would use the budesonone more preventatively, but I would not use that preventatively in a metabolically healthy individual. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. And I know you guys have a nebulizer. Did you end up ever using that? You talked about maybe we using it with Noah. I used point. it like a practice round with Noah just to like get him used to it because he had this deep, long cough. Like a um, cough. And it was yeah. it was so torturous that I was like, let's give it two more days and see. And and I mean, his cough lasted a while, but sure enough, he cleared it up. So I did do um, diluted colloidal silver. That was what I felt most comfortable with for him. Uh -huh. Um but like really we just did like a practice treatment um, and I didn't end up, I kept telling Byron, I'm like, if you keep coughing all night, I'm busting this out too. <laughs> um, but he seems to have cleared it too. So it's, it's out of the box. It's ready to go if we need it. Yeah. But the likelihood of needing it, that's, 
that's the whole thing there. We will link also the um, from FLCCC their iMask Plus protocol, um, and and that has tons of resource. Again, I will say though, you know, this is their protocol for Americans, and um, I take great pride in knowing that my podcast listeners don't fall into the average American in the world of again state of inflammation, oxidative stress nutrient devoid over calorically fed individuals and so you know they do bring in a lot more medication than i think is sound or relevant for this audience that's very proactive so i think there's so much that you can do as baseline defense yeah and they do they include supplementation it's just a bigger focus on um, prescription agents mm-hmm. for sure but also they're super brave and you know, at least out there treating people versus telling them to wait for the vaccine and it's like oh for sure <laughs> for sure and that's why i'll link yep. i mean i wouldn't link yep. a resource i didn't believe in I, I think that that's more for like an aging parent that is still eating cheerios and sure or you yep. know like yep. again like not doing all of the things um so i think food for thought and again what's your risk factor what do you need? And and that kind of opens up that world of remdesivir. Um, there's been some really terrible, uh, scary clinical studies on remdesivir driving the knee, it, remdesivir as a drug, driving respiratory dysfunction and need for ventilation, like ventilator use increasing with use of that medication. Yet that was one of the number one, for, number one first line of defense medications. I know the frontline doctors actually support remdesivir. Whereas I had been telling, and I still stand this from what I've seen clinically in the literature, you know, no, like if, 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 if I'm writing as a power of attorney, a medical letter for my parent, I'm going to say, do not treat with remdesivir. Okay for budesonone, okay for an antibiotic, um, okay for systemic steroid if needed, um, okay for monoclonal antibodies, okay, of course, if we can sneak them in ivermectin. Um, even hydroxychloroquine would be considered, but, but remdesivir is one that I'm just not seeing clear clinical benefit. I'm, I did see a lot of hazardous outcomes, and so that's one that I'm stating for my clients in my clinic and my family, I would try to avoid that drug. Sure. Whereas yeah. some of the other drugs, I'm like, eh, okay, don't think you need it, but not going to hurt you. Sure. Um, okay. Do you want to come through maybe um, priorities because we've addressed a lot? Yeah, we'll just kind of here. wrap it up. Yeah, with, yeah. Um, and 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 I hate to be maybe boring in the sense of like not much has changed, but that should also <laughs> reassure you guys, right. you know, in the sense that again, it doesn't matter what LMNOP you want to call this variant version X Y Z of of what this likely you know biological warfare created um, is impacting, we really need to take proactive support with our health. And, you know, that starts with a healthy, diverse diet. We want good micronutrient um, diversity and um, we want to address nutrient deficiencies. So, of course, getting your vitamin D status tested twice a year, super important. Likely, most people need to be supplementing with a range from 2,000 to 10,000 IUs of vitamin D daily, and we want your value to be above 50. We want your value to ideally be from that 60 to 100 range. Um, so you can, we'll put a link so you can test a finger stick um, through my website and get your data, and that's something that you should do absolutely like every October or September. And then again in like April, May, um, so you know how to support your body through the summer and then into that, you know, cold flu uh, fall season and winter. 
Um, you know, vitamin C should be a high variety in our Mediterranean keto approach where we're encouraging berries and broccoli and cauliflower and leafy greens and um, getting in all of these botanical-based compounds like rooibos tea. All of these are going to enhance your antioxidant status. So ginger, turmeric, all of these compounds from that rainbow of flavor, really important. And then you know that I'm a big proponent of red meat. Um, so eating grass-fed meat um, as well as wild-caught salmon and getting in a good organ blend is going to be a great way to optimize your zinc and vitamin A levels, uh, which are really important for overall immune response. We want you to regulate your inflammation, so I really highly suggest that everyone's doing wild-caught fish two to three times a week. Um, we'll be doing red snapper tonight in my household. Um, we do a lot of that skipjack canned tuna. We do sardines. Um, and then getting that EPA DHA dosage, the EPA DHA extra to try to get two to three grams of omega-3 fatty acids daily. This is going to decrease your inflammatory mediators. This is going to support respiratory health. We've seen research study for COPD, asthma, with omega-3s as supplements. So why not ensure that your respiratory system is working optimally when we know there's big respiratory infection going on? So we'll link the EPA DHA extra in the show notes for sure. We talked about a lot of the spike protein neutralizers and inhibitors. Um, and the BioC Plus would be a big star of this show, as would be the cellular antiox and the inflammazyme. We know that hesperidin, again, has a dose-dependent ability to actually inhibit the influence of SARS coronavirus, and this is specifically found in our BioC Plus. Um, we know that also quercetin is a mast cell stabilizer and is very anti-inflammatory, and that's what makes BioC Plus really powerful also in allergy season. So even if you've already had Omicron, mm -hmm. you know, this is one to always keep at two to three plus. I mean, I know us in Texas, we're always dealing with some kind of compound in the air. Um, so that will really help to regulate your body as well as neurotransmitter production, regulating that cortisol. Um, we can like our, our vitamin C episode. That was one of my favorites um, that we did last year talking about how, you know, our BioC Plus can even help with like your norepinephrine, epinephrine, you know, the medulla element of your adrenals and how that fight or flight signaling is regulated in the body and how vitamin C is even necessary for collagen synthesis and formation. So, so many benefits there. And, you know, Linus Pauling was onto something when he advocated highly for vitamin C. I mean, he won the Nobel Peace Prize and the fact that it eradicated scurvy and has still been such a unsung hero in the nutritional space. I think we need to all give vitamin C a little bit more of a, a boost up. Um, magnesium um, would be something that we look to get in the diet with our leafy greens. So still keeping in your like keto green smoothie. Um, magnesium in the form of relax and regulate is another staple in our household. We know that this helps with our smooth muscle relaxation in our airways. Um, it also has potentiation of a beta antagonist, um, which can be really important when we're looking at the mechanisms. And um, then we know if we're talking about like a resistant family member who we can only get on a couple things, I would say my big priorities would be vitamin D balance blend because if you're taking vitamin D, you know you need that K1, K2 balance. Otherwise, that vitamin D is going to throw off calcification in the body. So vitamin D balance blend would be a baseline minimum. At least get them to take one of those capsules daily and work your kids with the droppers and cellular antiox would probably be my secondary. And then I would dance between our multi-defense and or probiotic probably as like that sure. third yeah. 
option. Um, but we'll put in the show notes our, you know, tight protocol, which basically includes, I'll just run it through real quick and then emphasize what's different with the Omicron. But for full coverage perspective, we want the multi-defense, either with or without iron, depending on if we're menstruating or losing blood on a regular basis or we're anemic. Um, so multi-defense, that, that's going to be two tablets uh, daily. Bio-C plus, at again, two to three capsules daily, doubling that down if ill. Adaptogen boost is fabulous. Uh, we've talked in past episodes about when we've looked at the ACE2 receptors, um, the herbs in the adaptogen boost with that traditional Chinese medicine have shown to be very supportive for SARS. Um, so we're talking about the rhodiola and um, ginseng and cordyceps. Cordyceps very heavily supported for respiratory. So adaptogen boost is one I keep in always. But I will say over the holidays, um, since I'm not working, I sometimes lower those and that could have made me a little more vulnerable. But mm-hmm. adaptogen boost usually at like two to four daily. Cellular antioxidants at that two to three daily. Naturally nourished grass-fed whey about a scoop daily. Um, the vitamin D balance blend, either taking one or two capsules daily, a rebuild spectrum probiotic, a targeted strength probiotic, the herbal immune at one to twice daily or, or three times daily if infected, but that's one I wouldn't take the herbal immune as a prophylactic. Um, berberine boost also I would take if infected. And then again, inflammazyme and super turmeric were my big changes this go around. Uh, with this recent hit with that neuromuscular and lymphatic hit along with uh, more support with the uh, Reset, Restore, Renew detox packs to clear out that pathogen. Yes. All right. I think we've done it. (laughs) Yes. All of the things. So we will link all of the products that we've discussed in today's episode. Um, Thank you all for listening and I hope that this episode leaves you empowered. Again, the name of the game is maintaining optimal metabolic health, regulating your inflammatory status, and having a nice boost of antioxidants daily so that your body is wired with all of the health supporting compounds to combat any virus regardless of the name or the origin. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.